Welcome to BIV Daily, the business podcast from the Business and Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. This week's Roundup Conference, uh, as I mentioned on Friday, sponsored by the Association of Mineral Exploration of BC, has brought 6,500 people into a hall to talk about the issues in their industry. And the one thing I believe they're going to discuss is the report out this week from Deloitte on major challenges for the industry and some of the prescriptions for it. It's the 11th annual report called Tracking the Trends. It serves as a status report and, as I say, a bit of a prescription to keep this fluctuant, volatile business on track. The lead author of the study is Andrew Swart. He's Deloitte's global mining consulting leader, and he joins me now. Thanks a lot for coming in. My pleasure. Uh, You identify 10 trends, and I think we could spend 20 minutes on each one without any trouble. Uh, But let's try to go through them as best as we can, Andrew. The first is the... the thing I liked right off the bat is that you you seem to imply that the industry needs to get a different message out to the to the wider business sector and probably to the public that's going to drive value. What do you think it's been lacking in this regard to start with? So I think that there's a often a general perception amongst the public that you know mining is um, uh, is this industry which is you know dirty, which ex, you know exploits various environments and things like that. And I think the reality is is very different. I um, I think this is a an industry which is integral to all of our everyday lives, um, from the phones that we carry, the materials that we utilize, the homes that we live in, the businesses that we operate in, um, and it's it's integral to that value chain. And I think also those these mining companies um, derive a huge amount of value to the communities and the regions in which they operate in. Yeah. Um, and so I think that there really is something about how do you get that message out and how do you get the, uh, the broader c- community to actually recognize the value that mining actually brings. Yeah, it's not a super clean business, but it's not a super messy one either. It's lodged on that spectrum there somewhere in all of this. And it, what, what kinds of themes do you think the industry has to has to basically repeat as messages? Also, one of the trends that we actually talk about um, in the report is something which we call value beyond compliance. And it's this notion that um, for... I think a lot of mining companies, the idea of corporate social responsibility um, and uh, stakeholder engagement and things like that have been more compliance-based activities. And as we look at this industry now and going forward, it's going to be uh, absolutely integral to the operation of a mining company. In fact, it has to be front and center of the strategy of a mining company. Mm-hmm. And so we sort of adopt this phrase of value beyond compliance. How do you move beyond straight compliance um, to really creating this very integral and, and tightly linked relationship with communities and governments in which you operate? Culture of commitment and not just oh, of compliance. Absolutely. And yeah. a culture of trust. Yeah. The report also really looks at the frontiers of things like artificial intelligence and analytics. Mm -hmm. And and I know that they brought, in both cases, immense efficiency into the industry. And yet, your report still suggests that there's a long way to go in all of this. What's holding the industry back around some of these issues? So I think it's a it's a combination of things. I think first of all, the industry has really only started to move down this broader trend of digitization. I'd say within the last two to three years in in earnest, and I think it's largely led by some of the larger uh, players uh, sort of around the world. Um, and and as part of that digitization journey, what it requires is mining companies to. Uh, 
um, sensorize and pull data from their sort of core operations, put it into a central repository, which uh, which they can utilize and drive big data analytics around, but then also drive digital into the broader back office um, of of the organization. And and so a lot of mining companies just haven't moved down that technological path of sensorization and automation and, and putting in sort of the necessary um, sort of IT technology and infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And so when we sort of talk about this role of analytics, we're not just isolating it into the operational side of the business, but we're actually, in fact, one of the trends I think which comes through the whole report is how we see analytics playing a role in multiple areas of the business, from core operations to how you rethink risk and functions like internal audit, um, how you are driving more data in the engagement with your key stakeholders. And so data actually has to become an integral part of the fabric of the organization. Yeah, you, you do mention uh, the risk involved in the industry. And, and one of the things that you call upon is the uh, the adoption of, I think what you call it, uh, Auditor 3.0. Is that mm-hmm. right? All right. What is, what, what is Auditor 3.0? <laughs> Essentially, it's what we see as being the next generation of internal audit, right? And mm-hmm. so, again, you've seen the evolution of of the internal audit function, largely from a kind of compliance-based regulatory type um, function, which came out of the whole sort of SOX, sort of SOX compliance, SOX legislation a couple sure. of years ago, yeah. to to one where where we see internal audit moving is having you know, great greater use of data, greater. T- greater transparency, uh, sort of gain the application of artificial intelligence to be able to monitor large swaths of, of public um, and proprietary data in order to predict and isolate risks. Um, and so I think having that sort of level of, of insight is really going to be valuable to a lot of companies where you're anticipating um, a lot of the issues rather than reporting on what has gone on in the past. Yeah. Your report um, is is I think somewhat critical of the supply chain of mining, you know, pronouncing it as, as a bit too linear for this day and age. What would you propose to do that would essentially shake it up properly? Well, so it comes back to this this issue of data and, and data transparency. Um, there's a lot of value that's locked up in the supply chain uh, within most mining companies. Mm-hmm. And that's anything from, you know, not having sort of transparency around the prices for different commodities and inputs, even within different mines within the same group, right? And so you may go to one mine within a certain group and another mine, and they're paying two different prices for the same commodity. Obviously, there's some regional differences for that, but a lot of it is just the the transparency or the intransparency of the way in which the supply chain is is actually operated. So does that mean using things like blockchain for transparency? Uh, what, what does it mean? I think it's it's simply about creating um, trans. A, it's about managing very often the supply chain in a more centralized fashion. Uh-huh. I think it's about creating data transparency within the organization um, uh, around those those particular prices. Um, but I think it's also about how you manage things like inventory, right? So a lot of companies have got a lot of working capital tied up within within the inventory, uh, and so a better and a smarter 
use of data to identify duplication of spares and spare parts inside various warehouses to, um, you know, standardizing, for example, your use of certain pieces of machinery or, you know, certain pumps or certain motors um, right across the group allows you to drive more efficiency um, through that supply chain. So one area of supply I was really fascinated with, I'm of course not a miner, but if, if I were one, my guess is that my first stop would be in examining the supply of the commodity that I'm extracting. Um, your report talks also about the importance of understanding the supply of water. Hmm. Water. Why? So we, we think, or we certainly believe, and we highlighted this in last year's report, is we see water as being a, a, a real pinch point in the industry going forward. I think it is one of these input commodities that a lot of mining companies have taken for granted. Uh-huh. Um, and, but it's also a commodity which causes a lot of tension with, with local communities. Those same communities are competing um, or you know, having to share that resource for agricultural you know, purposes or potable water reasons or yeah, whatever worries about affluent worries absolutely yeah, right. right and so water is by no means a, a free commodity and i think one's got to start looking at water to say what's its real cost to the community um and and how do you actually put a price on on water so i think again making water more of an integral component of of your operation strategy i think is going to be a key trend we're going to see going forward and i think you're already seeing some mining companies doing that right um making very public statements around their sort of use of water, putting it central to their strategy and um, and looking at how they actually optimize it through technology. Yeah, how they use wastewater and uh, for, yep. for repurposing and so on. Is it worrisome, though, that, that um, you, well, for instance, uh, in recent times we've seen a couple of municipalities uh, start to muse about the idea of charging a lot of resource companies for their impact on climate change. Are we, are, might we start to get ourselves into a situation very soon where where resource companies are expending a lot um, in order to just simply plant themselves near a community? Potentially, yes. And I think, hence, the, the reason why it's very important for mining companies to get their heads around the true cost of water and where it could actually act as a pinch point. I mean, certainly when you look at some of the more drier, more arid regions of the world where mining t- sort of takes place, you know, take northern Chile, for example, you know, water is a, is a, is a real restriction in, mm. uh, in, in, in mining. And so having a, a, a water strategy which says, you know, how do I really think about this commodity in relation to the community Two is how do I truly try and optimize it? And, and, you know, three is how can I just, you know, minimize it in every aspect of what I do? Because this is going to be a valuable commodity. And I think it is um, a sort of a true flashpoint. And so in the report, we talk about water, but we also talk about energy, right? And so yeah. energy is one of those things which is more easily quantifiable uh, in terms of its cost to a mining company. And energy costs could be 25, 30% of direct operating costs. Um, so again, it's a big number. It's a big portion of of the operations. And I think the same focus that goes into energy should also go into water. I see. Um, it's a cyclical business. I mean, crazily. I, I don't know that I would have the personality to be able to deal with that kind of cycle. But I know a lot of people in this sector, and, and they just swear by 
the persistence and the resilience that you must have in order to accommodate well, You have to it. be an optimist to be in this industry. <laughs> yeah, and maybe have a short memory too. Um, <laughs> the report looks a little bit at uh, some of the deficiency in long-range thinking around commodities that, that in some respects companies don't think about um, extraction in a, in, a, in a consistent way. And as a result, shortages occur in all of this. I'm trying to get my head around what kind of model you would see evolving. Is it stockpiling? Is it uh, how, how, how do you do that in such a way that you don't run in continually to these shortages? Yeah, look, that's a very good question. I'm not sure that there's a, a real magic bullet to this. It is a, it is, and I think it always will be a uh, a cyclical industry. Um, I think that in any commodity, you've always got wild cards around whether or not you're going to be supply side supply side constrained, or whether or not you're going to be demand side constrained, uh, and that could change, you know, very quickly from. Um, from you know year to year, mm-hmm. so I think how you manage that as a firm becomes really key. So I don't think you're ever going to get rid of it, but I think being able to again better utilize analytics to to create a deeper link with your customer, so that more of your business is driven from a demand side. I think that becomes really important. Um, I think putting in strategies in place which allow you which really target you as a low-cost producer across the cycle, allows you to have a buffer capacity when prices are high, but also when prices, you know, eventually sort of fall. I, unfortunately, I think the trend that we certainly saw in the run-up to the previous cycle was as prices rose, you know, mining companies let their costs get out of control. Yeah. And so you end up in a situation where you have to, chop capex you have to you know rationalize your costs and so you go back through the cycle again so putting in I guess more prudent strategies around cost management around um, your links to customers those are the kinds of things which will allow companies to weather the cycle and not get trapped yeah. into some of the behavior that we've seen in the past to permit as much of the revenue to get to the bottom line right. as quickly as possible um Certainly, it's also a report that um, talks about the challenges of attracting and retaining, in a way, the, the the good balance, the right stream of the workforce in this case. And diversity is, of course, a major part of this. Um, what are you witnessing in the way of uh, some successful strategies? And what do you wish we saw more of? Yeah, so I think, look, you've certainly seen um, some mining companies put out very public targets around diversity, you know, setting targets like 50% of their workforce around gender diversity within, you know, sort of several years. And I think the companies that are doing that successfully, not doing it for some compliance reason or to, you know, check a certain box or whatever the case is, they do it because they fundamentally believe that having a diverse workforce is critical to promoting diverse thinking. And if we go back to our initial theme around, you know, companies having to embrace technologies, having to embrace digitization and innovation, I think companies that 
have more work, more diverse workforces, have more diverse management teams. I think those are the companies which, um, which will probably be more more successful in the long run uh, around that. So I think that's one area. I think the second area is just, this is an industry which is constrained. It's constrained from a talent perspective. We don't see enough mining engineers coming through the system. We don't see enough people wanting to enter uh, into the uh, into the mining business. I think we also see a situation where as mining companies digitize, they're having to look for skills that they haven't had to in the past. Um, so looking for data scientists, looking for programmers, you know, looking for app developers and, and those kinds of skills. And so it's really important to for mining companies now to draw from much broader talent pools than, that they have in the past. And, and so having an environment which is more inclusive to a broader range of your sort of talent segments, I think is going to be critical for mining companies to be able to find and retain that kind of talent. Yeah. And, and, and I guess this gets us back to what we started with in the way of a discussion about the messaging of the industry and, and the values that it needs to transmit to the public. Because certainly embedded in all of this challenge of trying to retain a, a talent and certainly trying to recruit is the notion that the industry has much more of an ethical production value than it might have had a generation or two ago. How instrumental do you think that culture uh, in terms of a transmission is necessary in order to ensure that it it gets past this finish line of getting the diversity and inclusivity that it wants. Yeah. So, look, I think um, particularly as you look at you know, millennial generations sort of coming into, into the workforce. This is um, what they want. Absolutely. Right. And so I think being able to talk about how one, one is mining in a responsible fashion, how you're thinking about optimizing water and energy use, you know, how you're thinking about the sort of a carbon footprint that um, you're leaving behind as, a, as an organization. I mean, these are all factors which talent today expect you to be able to talk about. And is expensive if you keep losing it. Correct. Yeah, Correct. exactly. Andrew, it's been really good having a conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, thanks, thanks very for much the for the report. Andrew Swart is with Deloitte, and he's their mining, uh, mining consultancy leader uh, in this country. Thanks a lot for listening to BIB today. I'm Kirk LaPointe. We'll see you next time.